Hello and welcome. It's Monday. It's Motivational Monday by Jim and Lucy. Today we have a very special guest with very, very impressive book that you just must read this week. There is no waiting. You need to start reading it this week. It is Rob White and his amazing book, The Maestro Monologue. Hello, Rob. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thank you for having me, Lucy. I feel terrific in Jim. Thank you. You're more than welcome. We couldn't put your book down. And I mean that. It was really motivating. It was enlightening to people in all walks of life. And I can see how someone, even it doesn't matter what you've done, whether you're a CEO or you're someone who's just starting out after filling so many times, this book can give you some insights that will change your life. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that. So Rob, tell us about the idea the true self and it's somebody else that we all have inside, but we're afraid to admit about it? Well, there's two of us, yes. There's the, the authentic self, the maestro, fully capable of orchestrating your life and conducting your daily affairs so your dreams can come true. When you were born, you were born the maestro. You felt that way. You sensed it. Uh, you didn't know how to say it. You didn't even know that word existed. But your whole life for the first 18 months or so was just excited to jump in. This is going to be a ball. But then come the twos, the terrible twos. No, not terrible for mom and dad. Terrible for the child. That's when the no's come rolling in. Now, mom and dad may be giving the rolls out of love to protect you, to tell you what's right and wrong, or just to stop driving them crazy. But you don't interpret them that way. As they keep rolling in, and according to child psychologists, you hear 60,000 by age five, you're convinced you're flawed. And the major question you go through the rest of your life with, if you don't catch on, is what's wrong with me? And when many folks go through their whole life, we all go through our lives when we're put in a situation that's very testing and we find ourselves failing, asking, what's wrong with me? I mean, what am I supposed to do here? But that what's wrong with me implies there's something wrong with me. And the intruder, the unwanted mental house guest that, that was born into your mind at age two with the first snow and all the rest of the nose that gained strength, it needs you to believe you're flawed in order for it to exist. So we have very few people ever on this planet, I suppose, if we go to religion, Buddha, Krishna, Jesus, these folks apparently got rid of the intruder. The rest of us, we will have the intruder our entire life. I just saw a famous musician, uh, I can't think now, a rock star who got to sing with Pavarotti years ago. And he, before he was on stage, he was honest. Now here's a rock star, and I don't remember who, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions adored him. He said, oh, I'm so nervous, oh my God. God, I shouldn't be. What am I doing? That was the intruder. See, as successful as he was, that the intruder, the unwanted mental house guest who was born at age two with the howling nose, starts howling again and again. So yes. that's, uh, that is pretty much what my book is about. The Maestro Monologue is a book that helps you. The first thing you got to do is recognize there's a fraud you that's running the show, and it's a lie and you bought into the lie. Not only that, you put on an act to cover up this lie that you're flawed, and you kept covering up a gem. The maestro, you. 
So it's basically hard, both parts are hard, discovering who you are, who you really are. And the second part is fighting that imposter syndrome and all their things that society and family and everybody else trying to put on us. That's wonderful the way you said that. The only way you first, yes, you must recognize that there's a great pretender pretending to be you. He sold you on the fact that he's you, he, it, she, because whenever you feel inadequate, insecure, uh, incomplete, flawed, unworthy, that's it. It's running the show and it feasts on those feelings. Now, once you're willing to accept that there's two of you and this pretender is running the show much more than you would hope it would, then you got to call an MD. That's right, an MD, a marvelous denial, not a medical doctor. You must <clears throat> deny the lies that it is telling you about you. For example, me, um, when I was 40, <clears throat> I was bald, I'm bald now, <clears throat> but I wore a wig because see, I thought I was ugly without, excuse me, Jim, you're part of the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you picking the, picking the ugly guy out? Okay. No, no, I don't mean ugly. I mean bald. Oh, oh. God, no, not ugly. I mean bald, Jim. Oh, God, no. Oh. You're as handsome. I mean this. You have such a warm, inviting smile. But you see, <clears throat> the, in, the intruder, the unwanted mental house has convinced me a warm, inviting smile not, isn't what it's about. Don't you get? you got to wear a wig. Look at you. <clears throat> so I bought a wig. I made my life about wearing a wig. I got up in the morning to make sure it was nice and looked and blended in with what hair I had. If we, I went out and there was wind, I had to run into protection. I could never go on, a, on a, in a convertible or a, a motorboat. I had a wig. I wasted 10 years of my life being a wig wearer. I mean, that's amazing. And who was living that life? The intruder. Did it, did it rejoice in my always being nervous? Now, by the way, I'll tell you what a great act I had on. So why would I wear a wig? What do you care? Back then, I was a restaurant owner, famous in Boston, not all over the world. And I had three very powerful restaurants, uh, very successful. And um, so I wanted to be known as the charming man of Boston and look handsome. And so, you know, and it was all because I was trying to cover up, I'm flawed. But what I didn't get is I'm not flawed. See, the more you work to cover up I'm flawed, the more you feel flawed. That's the bizarre part. I started going to seminars to fix myself. I, I got to know some of the finest self-help gurus personally, had lunch with them, the likes of Tony Robbins even. Always trying to fix me, which reinforced I'm broken. See, that's the, how clever the intruder is. It wants you, it protects, and I did affirmations. Oh, affirmation, affirmation. I'm going to be happy, healthy, successful, generous. And it went in one ear and out the other. Why? It was the intruder affirming, not the authentic me. So every time the intruder affirms, I'm healthy, wealthy, successful, and free, I feel the opposite because I know it's pretense. I'm not healthy, wealthy, successful, and free. So I'm saying I'm healthy, wealthy, successful, and free. But what I'm really saying is I'm not healthy, wealthy, successful, and free. But once I, in the maestro monologue, the monologue, the dialogue in my book, I help you to see first the intruder, 
and then to call an MD. Mom, listen, that's a lie. I'm not healthy, wealthy, successful, and free. My God, look at me. What? What, what is it about you that has you? I start questioning my lies, and it feels marvelous to call the intruder on its act. That's a lie. It, it's absolutely a lie. I am, I am the maestro. I have all it takes to be healthy, wealthy, successful, and free. If I'm willing to be, I am that. Not pretend I am that. Wear a wig, buy a fancy car, put, wear the most expensive of clothes, and act smug and arrogant, by the way. Oh, God, yes. If you feel inferior, you have to act arrogant. That's how you get over That's how you smear over it. The more I was arrogant about everything about me, the more I was reinforcing I'm flawed. So much so that when I met famous people, like that matters, but when I did and they liked me, I, I couldn't wait to get out of their company because what if they catch on to my act and they say to me, you're not successful and dynamic. You're fraud. What if they said that to me? So I'd have to be charming and pay attention to what I was saying and then skip out of town, get out of the room, hope I left a good impression, then worry in the other room, here's the intruder. What did you say? Why would you say that? I was stupid. Why don't you just say nothing? See, this, this is what, my, and now this is what the book is all about, helping you to see who you created in childhood moments of fear and pain to get through the fear and pain, to get mom and dad to love you, to get, get, get your teacher, first grade teacher to like you, to have your, your, your classmates think you were whatever you thought you weren't, um, think you were that. So that's it, yeah. That's what stops every, I talk to people who tell me they've spent tens of thousands of dollars going to seminars, workshops, uh, reading books, all of the good stuff. And five years later, here I am, nothing's changed. And I say to them, well, here's the, here's the deal. Nothing's changed because you haven't changed. You've had the intruder take all those courses, read all those books, take all those workshops. The intruder has no intentions of changing, but here's the good news. The intruder is an illusion. It's a lie. It doesn't exist only in your mind. And this, and, and, and that's how, why did I put together a dialogue? It took me five years to write the book. Why did I put together a dialogue that you, it's a co communication you have with yourself about yourself that totally changes everything. You know, when I was born in a small mill town and I was gonna go to the big university, uh, I didn't wanna go. The intruder said, stay here, get a job in the post office. You know, get a job in the factory. Don't, what are you doing? You're not, but I went. I, I went, and when I got there, I didn't have any scholarships. My, I came from a poor side of a small mill town, big family, no money. And I saved money in high school and forced myself to go. And I was scared. I didn't want to go. See, that's the intruder. Then when I finished, by the way, here's a big one. I got through the university, got my degree with no debt. I never took out a loan, never got a scholarship. My folks couldn't help me. They were trying to barely make it themselves financially. And then when I graduated, I got an offer to go back to the small mill town and teach. And I thought, oh, good, that's safe. But there was a part of me, the maestro, come on, there's got to be more for you. So I got in my car all by myself, and I went to the big city of uh, Boston. I was out in Amherst, University of Massachusetts country. And I was born in 
Athol, a little mill town, 30 miles outside of Amherst. I'd never even been to Amherst, by the way, when I went to UMass. I never went anywhere outside of that. So then I came to the city and I came all by myself with no friends that lived in the city and no contacts. I didn't even know where I was going to sleep the first night. Oh man, was I scared. Oh, this is stupid. Turn around, go back to Athol. What's wrong with you? See, that's the intruder. Well, I ended up getting a teaching job in Boston. I taught for 17 years, but it, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to get out there in the world. I wanted to travel exotically. I wanted to have back then, now I see that it's foolish, but fancy cars and big fancy parties at a big home. So I got at age 40, 17 years teaching, a great health plan, great retirement plan. Don't think my parents and my principal and my colleagues and my friends didn't remind me of that. I'm quitting. I went into the <laughs> principal. I'm leaving. What do you mean you're leaving? I, 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 don't you like teaching? I love teaching. But, you know, there's something in me. Something's driving me. Don't be crazy. At least hang on three more years. You'll get a minimum retirement. And you can keep your health plan for the rest of your life. My, my father said to me, Bobby, you don't need a psychologist. You need a team of psychologists. <laughs> so see what you're doing. It's so ridiculous. So I did it. From there, I, I became very successful in the real estate industry, in the restaurant industry. And now I'm a successful author. And every one of those required incredible courage and trust that there was more to me to meet the eye more to me than to meet my own eye when I would look in the mirror and say, what are you crazy? When I made it in real estate, you know, I've made it. Look at me. Other than the fact I got to wear a wig and pretend I'm someone I'm not pretty good. Uh, this isn't it. I'll tell you when I finally made it at age 60. I mean, it took me that long to figure out there was two of me. And I got to I got to work on being the me that I am that I'm meant to be. Not the me that I pretend I am, that isn't me, that I convinced I, myself I was when I was five. What am I listening to a five-year-old tell me who I am at 60? Like that, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, huh? What a life. It's a beauty. It, it makes great sense what you're saying, because all of us have this, have this fear in the background that keeps us from achieving what we, so, we really could and really want to. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's the whole point. You see people who do, people who do share their victories often and don't share their fears, how scared they were. I got to talk to some of these people and they, I, you know, Bill Gates, we hear the story of Bill Gates uh, quit college, Harvard, oh my God, to open, uh, start his own business, Microsoft, and be a billionaire. Hold on now. Hold on. He quit Harvard to start a company called something like Stop the Fact, Stop the Fact, something, and filed bankruptcy two years later. Don't you think he had to go through a lot of pain about what are you, what is wrong with you? You're in Harvard. What are you doing quitting Harvard? Of course he had those conversations. He's human. We're all human. But he picked himself up. He got, there is more to me than meets the eye here, meets my eye even. Yes. I'm going to keep going. See, so I don't want you to think, I have talked, to, I didn't talk to Bill Gates. I have talked to many successful athletes, many successful business people, and all of them, if, you're, if they're willing to be vulnerable, will share the nights that they were up all night convinced 
I don't have it. This was a big mistake. I, you know, let me fall back to something where I'm safe. And what about the millions of people who never get from, I don't have it, never have the courage. And it's not courage. It's trusting yourself, trusting that you really are a maestro, trusting that God or life or the universe, whatever you want to call it, that infinite intelligence, didn't put plant you here to lose and to be frustrated and upset and miserable and caught up in soap operas. That is not why you're here. But one of the tests of being a human being is you are going to be tested. Terrible twos, not terrible for the parents, terrible for the poor, naive, innocent child who takes those no's personally. Oh, yes, I do that too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So, Rob, what do you think is most important? Self-esteem, talent, soft skills, or hard skills? That's great. Uh, it's such a heads over tail for me, self-esteem. If you are comfortable with yourself, you can overcome the rest and you will overcome the rest. See, the greatest feeling of all is self-satisfaction. When I experience self-satisfaction, that's what we're here to experience. By the way, you know when you feel most satisfied when you're serving others? How do I know? Because I do it. And I've met many people, you know when they love themselves the most, when they're out there making a difference a positive, in a positive way. And what you don't love, it isn't others saying, oh my God, look at Bob, you're so generous, so kind. Aren't you something? No. It's me saying, look at me out there, just putting myself out there, making, a better, making it a better world to live in for me and everyone else. That feeling of self-satisfaction is what gives you this feeling of high self-esteem. And then you have self-faith. You really do. By the way, the more I have trust and faith in myself, the more I listen to myself. So if 11 people say to me, don't buy that building, I think it's a big mistake. And I say, all right, I see all the facts say that, but my gut still says I shouldn't. I did this once with one building and it wasn't a mistake at all. It was an incredible investment. Yet all the stats, all everybody, my accountant, my attorney, no, 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 it's no good. It's no good. Well, by that time, I felt comfortable with myself and asking myself. See, if you've got to run outside and ask everybody else for all the answers, no, that's because you don't get all the answers are in you. See, that's a big one. When I got that, all of them are in me, not the specific nitty gritty who to call, what to do next, but a natural tendency to start attracting, asking the right questions, attracting the right people. You don't know how many people helped me along the way. Don't think I did this all by myself. I call those everyday, ordinary, unassuming gurus, just normal people who showed up in my life and gave me a tip and I paid attention to it. Sometimes it hurt me. You're a big exaggerator. I did used to be, if, you know, so some people tell me you're worth a lot of money. Yeah, I'm worth a hundred million dollars. Why? Why'd I have to do that? Because I had to impress you. Why'd I have to impress you? Because I'm flawed. I don't want you to know that. And I had someone tell them, call me on it. You know, Rob, you're not worth a hundred million dollars. What do you say that for? Oh, I felt so awful. Oh my God, I've been exposed. But then I got, no, I wasn't exposed, not the maestro. I, the intruder, the pretender. And thank you for, for, for exposing that to me, for me to look at. Because that intruder, the pretender, I, don't, I didn't know how to have intimate relationships 
because I was too busy trying to impress you. Even right now, if I wasn't who I am, I would be too busy trying to impress you. I'd be quoting Shakespeare, look how smart I am. Or I'd be quoting this one. Or I'd be even be exaggerating about something I did. You say, give me a story. And I'd make a story up as long as it was uh, adventurous and I came out the hero. And then I'd finish. And you, I might con you into believing it. But you know what happened when we were done and I walked away? I was shaking like a leaf. Oh, my God. But I reinforced, I must be fraud. Why do I go to such extremes? I must be fraud. See, that's what happens when you try to overcome the intruder. Don't try to overcome them. Just look them right in the eyes. That's a lie. That's a lie. You know, life is always here to support us. You know how I got rid of my wig? I was in, I was in uh, Las Vegas at a big Century One uh, convention and uh, a thousand, thousand big audience. And I was on stage breaking boards with people. You can break through the board, you can break through the board. And it was sweaty and hot, my wig fell off my head. Yeah, you know what I did? I looked at the audience, looked at the big screen. Oh my God, I gotta go, I gotta get out of town. I'm sorry to laugh. <laughs> I can imagine that feeling, you know, if, if, if I don't notice it, they won't notice it. Yeah. I got to just get out of town. No, and so I ran behind the curtain, the back of the stage to look for the fire escape door. They got to be a fire escape door, no door. I had to come back out. Everybody said quiet, there's my wig. I picked up my wig and I said, this is just who I am. I got the biggest standing ovation because everybody knows we're all trying to hide something. And this is just who I am. So that was, uh, that was an interesting right now, even it touches me deeply. Life is always here, always here to support. Not, life is not playing nasty business with us. If, 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 if life is messy, it's because, it's here, I mean, here's one of my favorite things. Life is messy business. Even when you were born, it was a mess. Your job is to clean up the mess. That means clean up the challenges and discover more about yourself in doing it. But if you think you're a mess, trying to clean up a mess, oh, what a mess. Now you got yourself a big fat soap opera, all drama. Life will never stop being messy business. The purpose of messy business is to break through and find out there's more of you, more of me. Even now as I get older, I see the messy business. Uh, I notice uh, my, my, a couple of my fingers are getting arthrit arthritis. Oh, goodness. See, life is never going to spot. Am I willing to look at that as what are the possibilities here? See, whenever there's a mess, there's a possibility. But the possibility is not a, a possibility if you don't take responsibility for seeing it as a responsibility. And then taking a stand for being the cause causing that possibility to become a probability. And if you keep going at it, it's reality like that. So it doesn't matter what life is tossing at you. The reason I was, I, I remember when he was a pianist, unbelievable, and again, his name escapes me. And he was 92, a world famous pianist, and he had arthritis in all of his hands. He could barely move his fingers. That's what reminds me when I have a little bit of arthritis now in my hand, barely make, move them. When he would get on stage and get in front of a piano, he would play like he was 25 years old. 
Oh, that's, see? He didn't let that. Oh, he's done, the poor guy. Look at him, he's 92, his fingers are all arthritic. He was such a pianist, he's got to give it up. He didn't see it that way. He saw possibility. What he did, which is even more genius, he slowed down those incredible symphonic music he played, and he played it in a different way that everyone loved it better. They loved it more. You see, he brought possibility into this messy business called arthritis. And he now, he was the first person that taught musicians, you can change the rhythm on a song. You can play the same song and change the rhythm. Nobody knew they could do that. You th they thought, well, you got to do it the way it was written. What do you mean? You can't. Sure you can. We see it all the time now. If someone does a redo of a song, sometimes an artist changes the very rhythm and style of the very song. So that's you changing the rhythm and style of your life. You can change the rhythm and style. I can, and I do. And that's what's great about being a human being. This opportunity is with you until the last moment you when you breathe. Uh, Grandma Moses, 78, started, started painting until 92. Do you know her painting sells over a million dollars each now? 78, she started painting. She said, it's time to jump into something else. Pastoral painting, I think that's what I'm up to. My God, see, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant stories, my friend. That's the kind of stuff that propels people to be more than they ever thought about possibly doing it. it before we go, I have one more question. During the five years it took you to write your book, did you ever have moments where you thought, man, I don't know if I really want to do this or not, or uh, wondering, wondering about that at all? And what is it that made you finish it? That's a beautiful question. So with the five years of my book, The Maestro Monologue, um, I had those moments often. That's the intruder jumping in, unwanted mental house guest, telling me, yeah, no, 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 you don't know how to write. Look at this. Oh, this is embarrassing. Are you serious? You're going to put this out there? Don't be crazy. Yes. What had me keep going was a wonderful obsession with winning. I call it wow. A wonderful obsession with winning. Not winning over others, winning with myself. This is my dream. I had created this, my biggest epic. The teaching was wonderful. Real estate was fabulous. Restaurants were exciting. This is spiritual. And I, that's, it's that obsession with winning. And every time that voice, that naysaying voice in the back of my head with its howling nose came forward, I had to practice what I preach. That's foolishness. I can become a wordsmith. I can write a good book. And by the way, I want to say proudly, and this isn't arrogantly or egocentrically, that's a darn good written book. I mean, I wrote that book over and over and over. And see, I don't say, I say that so everybody gets, they can do it. There's nothing special about me. I am so, I am so happy to know that there's nothing special about me because I get you to have all that it takes to be the incredible person you want to be. All of us do. That's what has me so comfortable with me now. So that's my answer. Well, I can appreciate that feeling. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you all for joining us and for this wonderful message. So we encourage everybody this week, find the link in the description for this episode, buy the book, and it's going to just change your life because you're going to find something more inside of you that you could ever imagine.
Absolutely. There's a lot Amazon of more books. Oops, AmazonBooks.com is where they can get it. Or Barnes & Noble, AmazonBooks.com, yeah. Excellent. I'm glad you put that in there, yes. There's a lot of motivational books out there. But one thing about Rob's book is that it shows you the way and make you believe in yourself what you can do. You guys Great are job. great. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, my friend. Bye. This is Motivational Monday by, by Jim, Jim and Lucy. Lucy. Follow our podcast. And check out our website, jimandlucywoods.com.